You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 242nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 787th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of February 2nd, 2022. I am your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred last Saturday when the Indiana Hoosiers defeated the Maryland Ter- Terrapins to improve their record to 16-5 and overall and 7-4 and in the conference. The road win was valuable in many ways. One, it helps in the conference race. Two, it moved Indiana into a seven-seed range on a lot of brackets. And third, it was important to get a win, leading into a week of preparation for league-leading Illinois, the game on Saturday. Most importantly, it's the way the Hoosiers won that was important. After an 8-0 deficit to start the game, Indiana was able to gain control, never looking back the rest of the way and winning somewhat comfortably against a Maryland ball club that had won a couple of games recently, including against Illinois, even though it was without some of their key players. These types of wins have been missing from the program lately. Jared said it best after the Purdue win that, quote, this allows the program to breathe, end quote. I believe this road win also allows the program to breathe. The consistency that we have all been looking for is closer and closer to being a reality, and that means good things for the Indiana Hoosier basketball program. Okay, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. Ryan uh, is on his way to Bloomington, had a couple flights canceled because of the weather and is trying to find his way in, should be there uh, probably tomorrow. Jared is prepping for his uh, flight tomorrow to come into Bloomington. Hopefully the weather uh, will allow that to happen. Um, they may pop in sometime during tonight's show, uh, but here with me now... The best of you sports coaching, you know that we got on. When it comes to analytic trends, you know he can spot them. For first-class bracketology, want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. If you want the top, you gotta go bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I think it's been uh, it's been kind of odd to not have games to watch, but I think a really well timed break for the team. If you especially um, got a few guys who've played a lot of minutes, um, you got some guys who in, inevitably are uh, a little bit banged up. So um, you know, sometimes it's a little bit like you think the NFL you want to you don't want to get the week you know week four week five by it doesn't really do you a lot of good. You want to try to get one in the middle, and so this one comes. Uh, not quite exactly in the middle of the Big Ten season, but I think a, a well-timed break for IU. 
Um, we'll see how they're able to come out against Illinois and what's a, a really big game. But I think it was great to get that road win, as you mentioned, going into uh, a week of preparation. And you get on to a pretty steady cadence of games where, you know, the next few are Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So, you know, you can get into a little bit of rhythm in terms of, a you know, game preparation and, and things like that. So uh, we'll, we'll see if uh, that pays dividends for a team that has uh, started slow more often than not. I'm not sure a week layoff is the cure to that problem necessarily, but uh, we'll find out on Saturday. But I think, uh, you know, excited for them to get some rest, be able to you know watch film of, of what they've done and, and really prepare well for an Illinois team that's that's uh, that's playing really well. I was kind of hoping their game against Wisconsin last night would go into a couple overtimes, but that didn't work out. So what what are you uh, what are you going to do? But uh, no, good win by the uh, by the Lady Hoosiers leading up to uh, the game tonight. And I know uh, we'll try to keep this at least relatively short because Jeff and Kathy are planning to come on after and do uh, do their show doing the work uh, to talk about the win. So IU scores the last 14 in uh, in regulation to get a 10 point win. Uh, in a game that uh, I think I saw somebody say in front of less than 30 fans. So uh, they got a few uh, few students managed to get their way in, one in a banana suit. And, you know, you can't turn anybody away at the door who uh, bothered to go to the game in those conditions in a, in a banana suit. So uh, good for them to get a win and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, get a couple, pair of wins this weekend with IU playing, uh, with the men playing Illinois and the ladies playing Purdue. All right. And also joining us... It's the one and only Galen Clavio. Galen, what's on your mind uh, in this uh, idle week of Indiana basketball? I, I think I tweeted this earlier in the week. I'm happy to have a week off. Like, it's been an intense couple of months overall and in a good way in a lot of ways. But I think everybody needed a breather. It's kind of like the football bye week in college, except I feel like there's hope on the other end of this bye week uh, for IU. So I'm excited about that. And just looking forward to getting refreshed and getting back out there on Saturday. And, uh, okay, here's what we're going to cover this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the weekend preview. There is a big game, IU versus Illinois on Saturday, and even a bigger event uh, following uh, at Switchyard uh, with the Assembly Call live podcast show. We'll preview that here in segment one. In segment two, uh, Andy and I will talk about the best and worst cases from for IU from an NCAA bracket uh, perspective. And then in segment three, as usual, you guys have come through with some uh, incredible questions. We'll do a mailbag segment here in segment three. All of that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. This edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all the shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like the two different versions of the Bison. And Homefield has something for fans and grads of other schools, considering their product line now extends to more than 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of them. And no matter what you buy, you know it will be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through Kelly. What could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Okay, the big game this weekend, IU uh, uh, is going to host lead-leaguing 
uh, Illinois, league-leading Illinois in a big game. It's a quad one game for us bracketologists. It's just a really big game for any uh, IU fans. Uh, Illinois has their full complement of players back. Uh, at least Curbelo played against uh, Wisconsin. Uh, Kofi Coburn is, is back a, as well. Uh, so uh, Curbelo only had 12 minutes uh, against uh, Wisconsin, so we'll see if he has some increased minutes. And, and sometimes maybe that's a good thing uh, because he has been turnover prone um, this week. Uh, fellas, um, Galen, we'll go to you too. What are your thoughts about facing uh, this Illinois team at this time? I mean, I think now is a good time to face them. They're very full of themselves. They've had two nice wins at home over the last couple of weeks with Michigan State and then obviously the game last night against Wisconsin. Uh, they were very impressive in the game against Wisconsin. I thought Wisconsin made some curious decisions in the way that they decided to play defensively against Illinois. I'm still not convinced Illinois is that great of a team. Like, I think they're okay. But I think if you look at their numbers uh, – you know, they, they rely a lot on the three-point shot, and they really don't have any impressive wins away from home unless you really want to count that win in Iowa City as impressive. And, I mean, Indiana couldn't win in Iowa City, so I guess it's somewhat impressive. But I don't know. I, this, I, I, I talked at the beginning of the year, and I said I thought this Illinois team was way overrated, and I still kind of believe that. I think that they would be very difficult to play in Champaign this week, but fortunately that's not happening. So I'm I'm okay with this. I think Indiana comes in with a good mentality, good attitude, and they've already defended Purdue, who presents the same problems basically that Illinois does except better in terms of offense. So I kind of like Indiana's chances in this one. Andy, as Illinois gets ready to, to come in, what are the keys for you uh, in Indiana pulling out a victory? Well, the, a few of them, I, I would say, you know, Coburn and Trace is, is really the big uh, the big individual matchup. And it's one that has been kind of the, the textbook matchup, if you will, to give Trace problems. You got a guy who's super physical, who really bodies him up, forces him to take tough shots a little bit further out from the basket than he would like. Um, and so he hasn't had a ton of success there, at least from an efficiency standpoint. I think he's put up numbers in some of the games, but, you know, in terms of normal uh, shooting percentage, hasn't really been as close to that as you might like. So trying to figure out ways to do that. Now, uh, the flip side of that is, uh, you know, Illinois doesn't tend to play uh, a, a bigger guy at the four spot. So do you have some ability where maybe Race Thompson becomes a guy who can get some baskets inside? You know, they're playing, you know, typically six, 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 seven guys um at the at the four so maybe you're able to give yourself a little bit of an advantage that way uh i think the other matchup to really watch is the the point guard spot you know xavier johnson has been doing uh everything for iu as we've talked about trent frazier one of the better defenders in the league will almost surely draw that assignment so who do you have that can really create offense i think that becomes a, a big opportunity for trey galloway when he's in the game to be able to be uh, that guy from the wing initiating some of the offense and really putting pressure on the defense. So um, Illinois can really shoot it. You, you can't get too uh, in love with trying to dig down and, and take Coburn away and, and not be able to close out to shooters effectively. So, um, you know, I think the three-point shooting will be big. And, and can I, you get some shots for, you know, Parker Stewart and Miller Cop because it's a, you know, Illinois is pretty small on the perimeter. So, you know, how long can really cop really be out there? Cause who's he going to guard and, and different things like that to start the game. I think the, the matchups will be there. So it makes it interesting to see what, uh, uh, what Woodson will do from a substitution standpoint. We had some really good questions, uh, uh, 
along these lines, uh, Joey Berkowitz asks, how do you see IU defending Kofi on Saturday? IU Artifacts adds, do you anticipate IU doubling on, on Kofi Saturday, and does that present a problem with the three-point shooters in closing out? And Joey also asked, uh, how do you see IU attacking IU's defense? They play a lot of drop coverage. Kofi and ball screens is not very uh, good, has not been very good in the past. Um, you know, Andy, you've kind of hinted upon on some of that. Uh, do you see – I, I think the Indiana defense is the key because if they do what they did against Purdue, which was push the post out um, and, and then stay tight with the, the cutters and the guards, they, they've proven that that is a way to slow down a real potent offense. They have stopped Ohio State. They have stopped Purdue's uh, offense to a level where it allowed Indiana to win some games. Do you see that continuing, that kind of style of defense continuing? Yeah, and, you, and you've probably watched this better than I have. I, I do think when they've played better post players, they have run doubles at them at times. I don't right. think it's been a consistent thing, and I think they've almost done it to see how the other team reacts to it and then assess from there whether that's a, a, a viable strategy going forward. So I would assume you'll see a little bit of that, at least uh, with Coburn. Now, whether that ends up being a good idea or a bad idea, we'll, we'll find out pretty quickly, and I think they can adjust from there. But I would imagine that that's what they do to him. But it, I, th I think the the other question in terms of you, you really got to make Coburn guard somebody um, and not just be able to sit there in the middle of the lane waiting to try to block shots and, and you know, pushing TJD out. So, you know, maybe that's where some actions with with Trace and Race uh, might be might be helpful together uh, to see what they can do. But you got to you, you can't go away. You, you can't steer clear of him entirely because of the opportunity to get him in foul trouble you know that really helped uh purdue in that in that game they got him in early foul trouble um when they played in in champagne and that was that he was basically saddled with that the entire game galen indiana has played better when their point guards have played well whether it's an attacking style at the rim or being able to hit some some key shots xavier johnson's been a little more consistent rob Finnessy's out lander got some run uh, against maryland and, and so joey's second question about attacking the defense uh, a lot of teams are locking down on shooters and, and letting that point guard um, make or break it against them how do you feel about indiana's point guard play is it important? Is it going to be okay, in your opinion, against Illinois on Saturday? I mean, certainly it's important. I think it'll be fine. I mean, the one thing you worry about, and it hasn't been that big of a deal over the course of the last few weeks uh, with IU's point guards, is their turnovers. Uh, but, but, but Xavier Johnson's really kind of clamped down on that. And Illinois does not do a good job of forcing turnovers anyway. That's that's just that's not part of of, of how they roll defensively. So. You know, you're the big thing with Illinois that you have to deal with on a defensive front is, as was mentioned earlier, getting good shots, high percentage shots, and that's really where they shine. It's interesting because I kind of feel like it's a slightly different version of Indiana that Indi that Indiana will be playing when they play Illinois. Like they do a lot of the same things well. I think Illinois probably shoots the ball from outside slightly better. Uh, so the big question ultimately to me is going to be. Um, is there? It's not so much the point guard position, but what do they get out of Parker Stewart and Miller Cop? Uh, you know, they cannot afford to have slow starts or lacks lack of uh, of offensive contribution from either of those guys throughout the course of the game because that can be the great equalizer for this Indiana team. If if Johnson's driving or if Galloway's driving and they're only looking inside and there's nobody sitting there to kick out to to hit a shot from the three point line. Uh, it's probably not going to be a very good day for Indiana. So, so to me, that's going to be the big situation that Indiana has to to try to take advantage of. And 
if they can't get good games out of those guys, then I think it could be a long night. I agree, and I think um, I didn't have a chance to talk about the Maryland game uh, last Saturday, but when I rewatched it, I saw a lot more movement early, uh, some some sets and some things where you both had the shooter coming off screens, but you also had a post option as a secondary option, and so it seems like Woodson might be going to uh, a little bit more of that at times as well, which talks about getting those shooters going early, and then if they get hot, then that draws uh, the defensive attention away uh, from from the inside so I think you're exactly uh, correct yeah it's it's interesting when you look at that Wisconsin Illinois game last night I mean Coburn ends up with 37 I believe and and for as much as he was dominating this I guess is an argument for the let Kofi get his and, and see what you can do I mean Wisconsin was shooting terribly now they weren't always the best shots but you know they ended up what was it one of I think they might have hit one. I think they hit one at the very end. So they're three of 24 uh, on threes. Johnny Davis didn't shoot it well other than getting to the free throw line. So Wisconsin, despite some kind of oddities in their in their game plan, really, if they shoot anywhere near what their normal percentage is, is a lot closer game than what it ended up being. So, again, maybe that's an argument to just let Kofi get his and, and try to do a good job on everybody else. But um, – yeah, if you end up shooting three of 24 from three in a situation like that, you're not going to beat too many teams, let alone a good one. So, uh, But I think, you know, hopefully that's a situation IU makes one early, really kind of gets things going from the, you know, from the crowd and, and things get rolling from there. Uh, regardless of what happens uh, in, in Assembly Hall on Saturday, we got a lot of stuff going on this weekend. Uh, we have a, a post-game event at Switchyard. Uh, also, we'll announce here that if you're going to the game, uh, first of all, drive safely from wherever you're you're you know coming from but uh assembly call community members are meeting at the state of indiana mural uh with the old wood floor at halftime i believe that's in the north concourse uh for a group photo so as soon as halftime hits uh make your way there uh and and get together and, and take a picture we want to make this uh uh every game thing so uh to Let's get started on Saturday. But the live post-game show is what we're here to talk about now at Switchyard after the game. Probably start around 3 o'clock. Anthony Leal and some other special guests will be there. Uh, we've already, we're already at the RSVP maximum, but there may be standing room only available. Show up and tell them you're with Assembly Call and see if you can't sneak your way in. Galen and others will be at Switchyard during the game for anyone who doesn't have tickets to the actual game. And then, um, weather permitting, uh, the Assembly Call crew will be out. Uh, it'll be a shortened crew. Uh, I am uh, battling 13 to 15 inches of snow up here and just now got the driveway clear. Uh, and I have a basketball game at 11 o'clock uh, on Saturday, uh, weather permitted. And, and Andy's facing like 57 inches of ice in Cincinnati <laughs> right now. So, um, you know, we might not make uh, make the Saturday stuff, but we'll be there in spirit. But um Plan on being there at, at Switchyard. Galen, uh, would you like to talk about what's uh, on tap at Switchyard? Uh, you, our thanks out to you. You do a tremendous job of being the the boots on the ground in Bloomington for all of us who are who are not there. And so, thank you from all of us for all of your hard work in getting that ready. And uh, what what's in store for Saturday? Yeah, no, I mean it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, a lot of it already. Um, you know, I think. We're, we're still working on some of the final details. I'm going to be there when the game starts, probably even before that. So if you're going to be around, come on down, and, you know, and if, if you're lucky enough to get tickets. I don't have tickets. My wife took the tickets this time. So I'm, uh, I'm stuck out uh, watching it from a distance. But 
um, you know, we'll we'll probably chat a little bit on the uh, the PA. We've done some shows there before. We did a couple of football shows uh, back when we thought football was going to have a good season. Uh, so, uh, you know, we we've got the tech down as far as that's concerned. We'll have a little stage set up up there, and then after the game is over, I think we will probably mingle for a little bit. We'll have people slowly start to come in. We'll wait for the crew, whoever is able to get there. Uh, get there there might be a raffle of some sort uh, involved i think we've got that cleared up now so uh, you'll have the opportunity to take part in that and then uh, yeah we'll be doing a live kind of slightly postponed post-game show uh, starting a couple hours after the game's over that'll give everybody who rsvp'd enough time to get out of the assembly hall and get over to switchyard so looking forward to it if you haven't been to switchyard before um you know my best there's some parking info i think that we've put up on the community site uh so that's always a good thing to check out and other than that i mean you know great pizza and uh, they've got a variety of really really good beers so it'll be a fun time even before the podcast gets rolling and we're looking forward to it uh to it starting and i think jared hopefully will be there as well as he just popped on he looks uh, looks serious with the weather already i can't hear anything Uh, well he definitely looks prepared for the weather at the very least he is ready to fly into indianapolis for sure he still can't hear us but yes uh, i'll tell you what i had the the cheese sticks or the cheese pizza bread whatever uh with uh chris ie artifacts we were down there before the game and uh switchyard um really nice uh place and we were there in 2019 for the um the last time we we had a meetup um we we missed or 2020 uh, after the Purdue game, um, and then last year we did not have have a meetup. So excellent place. Uh, looking uh, looking forward to hear all the good stories and, and wishing wishing I would be there. Jared, uh, do you are you connected now with this? Can you hear us? I am. I How can are hear you, you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I keep checking my American Airlines flight for tomorrow at 7 a.m. It still says that it's on. So. You know, I'm anticipating it'll probably be delayed, I would imagine, but I'm just I'm so excited to get there and, uh, you know, to see everybody, to get to Bloomington and to to get this event going. It's going to be it's going to be really fun. And we have a few surprises in store, too, that we haven't really announced um, some special guests that are going to be coming. We got the raffle is going to be kind of crazy. We've got a lot of stuff that we're raffling off. So it's going to be. And the best part is just getting all of our community members together. I mean, it's just going to be so awesome having so many of us under one roof, having not been you know, able to do it last year. I just can't wait, man. It's going to be great. Well, we wish you safe travels. Uh, and probably the biggest part of your, your trip is going to be once you land uh, in, in getting from Indianapolis to Bloomington. And ho- hopefully the main roads are, are cleared out and everything's okay. I, I will say on that, I'll be really surprised if the roads aren't in excellent shape by the time things get going it is it's still snowing here lightly in, in some parts of bloomington um but they'll work on the roads all day tomorrow and i you know the we've seen in dot they, they do a pretty good job once they got the trucks out so uh, i think even by like tomorrow at one or two in the afternoon everything should be fine good yeah unless good. you live in lafayette uh and, and then <laughs> which, I, which i have in the past uh, yes in know, the lafayette so. area and uh there, there are, you know, you can only travel for emergency purposes, um, but maybe even then um, people can get down for, for the show. Um, uh, anything else, uh, gentlemen, about the show before we move on uh, to segment two? 
The only the only other thing I want to say about it is, you know, if you haven't signed up yet or RSVP'd, but you still want to go, send me an email, Jared at assemblycall.com, you know, because as some people are having travel issues and can't come, they're having to cancel. So, you know, look, we would want to have everybody there. And it's possible if this keeps growing, you know, we may have to take over all of Switchyard or do a different venue, you know, whatever. But we want to get as many people as we can who want to go there. So you know, I know if you looked at the you know the list you know a few days ago and it said that it was full, some spots may have come open. Um, and please, if you're going to be around, just try because I know they're going to work with us to try and get as many people in as possible. Uh, you know, for whatever's safe, they have limits of what of what they can get in. Um, but we want to get as many people there as possible. And at a minimum, if for some reason you can't get to Switchyard, let us know so we can meet you up afterwards. This is, I mean, it's the best part about coming is getting to to meet everybody who's there. So. If you're coming to you know to see us to see the show, for whatever reason it doesn't work out, we definitely want to to meet you, say hi, and thank you for supporting us for all these years. So let's do whatever we have to do to make that happen. Email me, send a tweet, whatever, we'll make it happen. So the guys yeah. have a, a a great game on Saturday. They're going to win, and then the celebration is going to be at, at Switchyard. And so uh, make your way there. Uh, as quick as you possibly can and, and meet up and have a great time in Bloomington, uh, everyone. So yep, I agree. I, uh, like coach said, he, he's not going to be able to make it. I'm not going to be able to make it, which I kind of knew going in. Uh, my daughter has a, a game that day. We play the, uh, undefeated top team in the league. So hopefully we'll be able to spring the upset. Although it seems, uh, fairly unlikely based on what I've seen of the other team and what I've seen from us, but you never know. Uh, it's okay. So, all of, all of my arguing with Ryan, it's just, it's culminated in this where it's just going to be the two of us. Just the two of you we'll to, to hash blows. things out. Yes. <laughs> Coach and I are gently stepping away <laughs> and letting face. you guys, letting the voices guys, uh, of reason aren't out. showing up, but someone gets the video of this, please. Uh, get <laughs> we got, we have Galen there. Galen is I, there. I, I guess I'm bringing all the backup podcasting equipment. I, I have this vision of like headsets getting tossed like pies around the group hub. Jeez. <laughs> yeah oh and as, as is mentioned in the chat the uh and i think i mentioned it before the iu women play uh purdue on sunday so for those who are going to be around two good games uh over the course of the weekend and, and hopefully two victories yep absolutely all right uh, oh joel has offered to officiate the match between <laughs> <laughs> now that <laughs> i want to see oh boy yeah, I agree. hey <laughs> coming up on assembly call radio the hoosiers have put themselves in a strong ncaa tournament position after a strong january what are the reasonable best and worst case scenarios we foresee for february that's next here on the assembly call bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 investments like acquiring america's largest biogas producer archaea energy and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico it's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. 
Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to the assembly call. Tonight's episode is also sponsored by Superior Insulators, owned by longtime listener and IU season ticket holder Brad, who will be at the February 5th event at Switchyard on Saturday. And with winter uh, weather here... Obviously, we're getting hit with it. The timing is perfect to tell you about their high-performance insulation and air barrier systems for both residential and commercial. And you know their work is high quality because they did the air barrier systems and spray foam for the IU Excellence Academy. They also worked on the IU Football Locker Room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. Visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. That's insulators.com, I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more. And thank you, Brad, for your continued support of the show. So uh, besides uh, two awesome-looking guys uh, who do Assembly Call Radio, uh, Andy and I both dabble in the bracket world, uh, and I think that uh, we're very uh, successful in both our ventures. I owe a lot to Andy in getting us started here at Delphi Bracketology. He was a a teacher, a mentor to me, so I I look up to him and his work uh, with the bracket, and I know all of our students – who have experienced what we do at Delphi Bracketology. Also thank Andy uh, for uh, sharing his expertise uh, five, six, seven years ago. So, Well, um, you guys have been beating me more often than not in recent years, so I'm looking for somebody to return the favor and to mentor me. So just throwing that out there as you, as you move into the, you know, well, into what the, we uh, fi- the stretch run here. Thank you. But what we found out is like, more minds it helps uh you know because every time i put the initial list together then the eight or nine people in in the club always move teams around and i and i'm like oh that makes sense that makes sense uh rather than the just me doing it by myself so i think there's a uh unfair advantage uh to having uh, a committee do that so um andy and i are going to look at a couple things where indiana would stand right now if the season ended and well, the best case and worst case scenario for your uh, hoosiers and and what we kind of predict so we'll just go along that lines andy where do you see indiana uh seated right now if you had to to make a choice yeah when i did my bracket earlier in the week i had him as a seven um probably to the low end of the seven line, I think. I mean, there's only four teams on it, so it's not that huge of a difference. But uh, and I don't know that a ton of the results from earlier in this week probably would have moved them up or down uh, substantially. Um, if anything, might have might have helped them a little bit. Um, but that's where I've got them right now. I think that's I've I've seen ones that uh, that have them lower, and I think you, there's an argument to be made there. I mean, the the reality is that um, the non-conference strength of schedule is not good. Uh, 335th, I think, as of today. Uh, they've got two wins over teams in the field, maybe three if you consider Notre Dame being kind of in the mix at least, uh, which after they won at Miami last night, that was a good result. And half of IU's wins are quad four. So if you wanted to find reasons to push them lower on the list, I think that's fair. And they've lost to teams while they don't have a, a, a quote-unquote bad loss in terms of it being in quad three and quad four. They've also lost to three teams that if the tournament started today wouldn't be in the field in, in terms of Michigan, Penn State, and Syracuse. So there's there's things to like. There's things to, to nitpick. Um, so like I said, I had him as a seven. If somebody wants to have him as an eight or a nine, I think there's justification to do that. Once you get to the eight line, coaches, I'm sure you guys have seen, it is just <laughs> an absolute mess. Yeah. Um, from eight to the cut line is just kind of a, a, a real mess. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. 
Yeah, we have them as a seven. Uh, we had our meeting today. Uh, we're, we're on a snow delay, so it was nice. I actually could spend an hour with the guys instead of uh, and gals uh, instead of uh, thirty minutes uh, before school. And we just went through all of our seed lines, Andy, and did a, a real scrub. And in Indiana, right now for us, is comfortably in the seven seed. Uh, range for two reasons. One, uh, they beat Purdue and, and Ohio State, and they have two road wins. That that road win was lacking uh, early in December that, that kept them down. And, and like you said, there's enough to say Indiana should be lower, but when you start looking at teams like we have St. Mary's, Loyola, BYU, Boise State, North Carolina, Colorado State, all those teams are in the 8-9. There's nothing that really just jumps out and says, wow, they're a lot better than the Indiana uh, ball club and then the metrics are good too at a 30 net the offense and defensive efficiency and I also think that you know there's someone in charge of the Big Ten Conference who's looking at these teams you know Indiana's had those losses but only the Michigan game have they really been out of and I think that's why their net is at a 30 uh, where, where they're at so um, I, I think there are seven and Andy I thought that they've really kind of solidified that because other teams have lost. Loyola lost to Drake last year, uh, last week. BYU had a horrible loss to uh, Pacific. Pacific, yeah. Uh, uh, Pacific, yeah. And then uh, Colorado State lost to Wyoming. Um, and, and so you, you have some teams that might put pressure on moving Indiana down to eight or nine that aren't. So I think they're benefiting um, from that, at least from our vantage point here. Uh, uh, at Delphi Bracketology, and um, so let's go to the the best case scenario and and worst case scenario for the Hoosiers uh, in your bracket. Um, where do you see them climbing, and and where do you see them potentially falling? Yeah, I mean, best case is. You know, it's kind of funny. You'd almost have to go through and, and pick games to figure out what your best case. I mean, your your true best case scenario is winning out, but I, I think that's probably not in the the realm of possibility. I, I guess I would view best case scenario as you win at Northwestern, you win at Minnesota, so you pick up a couple other road wins, you beat Maryland or Rutgers at home. Those are your two other potential bad losses, and then that leaves you Illinois at home, at Michigan State, Wisconsin at home, at Ohio State. And at Purdue, so that's what five games there. Um, maybe you win the home games and lose the road games in that scenario. Um, I think if you do that, like that, that to me is probably a, a realistic best case scenario. Maybe they could do better than that. Who knows? Yeah, JD, do, JD, who's your? I'll throw the question here because it fits right to what you're saying. Um, he said, uh, "Where do you see IU being um, seated if they hold serve, meaning six and three? And by holding serve, uh, they're using Ken Palm's one loss project, uh, projections, and so they lose at MSU, lose at uh, Ohio State, and lose at Purdue, and win uh, the two uh, quad one games at home. So that's very close to what you were saying." Yeah, I think it might actually. I, I probably could have saved myself some uh, thought there and just gone with the Ken because that's what I was looking at to uh, mm -hmm. to see the schedule. And so now that I look back at it, that's exactly where I ended up. And just could have uh, could have read the question. So I think if you do that, I, I think you push your way into the five conversation, maybe the four. Just depends a lot. I think that's one of the things that I've come to understand about this a little bit better with doing it is that it's not just what you do; it's what everybody around you does. And and, and to your point. I would say IU hasn't moved from the seven line, even though there might be reasons to push them down because nobody else behind them has really come up and done anything. So, yep. you know, I, I'll kind of give that qualifier on it. But I think 
if they do that, I I think you could end up in a four or five range. You, you you'd still end up with no bad losses. You pick up a couple other road wins in in that scenario, and you pick up a, a couple other quad one wins, which feels um, pretty good. The, the knock on you at that point is you don't have a quad one win away from home. Uh, but I think there's plenty of teams who've been in that scenario and um, and been seated okay. So I, that's kind of what I would say. I mean, what do you? Yeah. I, what, what do you I, think happens in that situation? I'm looking at the teams above them, and they already have a lot of teams already have four. Uh, the seed line above LSU is um, four quad ones, five quad twos. That's nine. Indiana only has four combined, um, and LSU's falling. Um, Xavier has four quad one already, Iowa State six, and we know that can fluctuate with those, you know, just arbitrary cutoffs that, that can yep. all, you know, Alabama is above them with six. So, but you also have in the five scene line, Michigan State has three quad ones, Tennessee has three, and Ohio State has three. If you pass some of those teams up, I think the best case scenario at six and three is they, they're four and five in quad one, uh, and they're five and four. Uh, or or four and three in quad two if that plays out that that question and so you're 500 in quad one and two and and, and I just I, I think the highest for them is a five seed uh, if that plays out obviously if they they, they went out they're they're gonna move up into that range but I, I think the the five six seven range is a comfortable place for them uh, absorbing a couple losses and and, and getting some wins I, I think that's where you're going to find Indiana barring a, a major collapse and so what what is that worst case scenario um, that we all don't really we'll we'll go real brief on this because we don't want to yeah. like to talk about that but what what is the worst case scenario uh, what to to happen yeah I think yeah you know, the worst case scenario piece is is tricky because I think the the worst case scenario is that you play badly enough that that you shine a light more on some of the things that aren't as good that 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 non-conference strength of schedule comes into play that you don't win any more road games that you end up two and whatever uh, in true road games even though you got the Notre Dame one as a as a neutral court win, um, you know I mean truly worst case do you do you pick up a quad three loss to a, a Maryland or a Rutgers. Um, it just depends how bad how how bad is worst case, and I guess if somebody says, "Well, worst case is the worst," um, then you, then you'd be in some trouble. I I find it hard to believe realistically based on how the team has played. You know, in the same way, they're not going to win out; they're not going to lose out either. Um, so, if you have some combination of those things, then I think you probably push yourself down to maybe a, I don't know, eleven ish range is probably a possibility. Because again, if they don't win another road game. You have you know the two knocks. A lot of times that that teams get dinged for are didn't play well away from home, didn't schedule well, um, and so right now the Maryland win help help kind of mitigate the the road piece of that. The non-conference strength of schedule is not going to dramatically move one way or the other from here uh, from here on out. So that's always going to be there as a blemish. Uh, it's just a matter of the road the road stuff. So I, I guess I tend to say eleven. Like you could push yourself toward the cut line if you really play poorly down the stretch. Yeah, and here's the thing about the non-conference schedule. We we look at trends to try to figure kind of where the committee goes, and we know each committee is different every year. You've been doing this longer than, than we've had. We, we looked at trends, and since we've tracked everything on our spreadsheet, we've kept the final results um, since 2016. Only five teams with the strength of schedule non-conference of over 300 have ever made the field. 
And so we're we're looking at uh, I think a couple of teams in the seven uh, seed range for us right now. Uh, USC is three seventeen non conference, a seven seed in Indiana is three hundred thirty seven non conference schedule. Those are huge blemishes for both USC and Indiana that if Indiana loses and, and goes two and seven in their last nine games, three or six, I th- absolutely agree with you that that could be an issue um, coming up. The, the, the reason it won't necessarily be an issue is it, it's a bunch of carnage as, as it is almost every year at the, at the back end when, when you have, you know, you're talking Indiana being two and six, two and seven in, in quad one. You already have that in, in our bracket at at some point. Uh, we have Oklahoma in at two and seven in quad one um, as a ten seed. You know, teams that are out. Uh, Andy West Virginia is two and seven, and we know they're going to get more losses in the Big Twelve. Both of those teams are going to yep. get more losses in the Big Twelve. Florida, um, you know, is one and five, and they're in our first four out. So. You know, there there's some room for Indiana to have a, a rough stretch. You don't want it because you don't want to put it in the committee's hands. Um, what do you believe is 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 likely, and, and and what do you think Indiana? Let's play. Let's put it this way: What do you think Indiana must do to be guaranteed a, a call on Selection Sunday? Yeah, the, the one other thing. I'll, yeah, before before I answer that, the, the one other thing that I I don't know if you'd say they have this going for them or not, but when you look at the different types of metrics, so. Uh, the the quote unquote what I call the results based metrics in terms of you know KPI strength of record BPI they average out to right around low 30s I would say um, and then if you look at the predictive so Sager and Ken Palm they're uh, or no sorry the, the KPI and strength of record are the, are the two results based ones so sorry they're in the so say mid 30s um, on that 37 ish um, they're 24th in all the you know kind of right. quality based ones so they don't have one of those that really stands out as as bad. So I, I think that helps a little bit. I, I think the most likely scenario is, is, well, so to answer your question, the minimum of what they need to do to get in, I think you avoid those quad three losses. So you beat Maryland and Rutgers at home. Uh, I think you win at least one more road game. I think if you win both Northwestern and Minnesota on the road, um, you know, and do those other two that 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 makes you 11 and 9 in the league as it is that gets you to 20 wins uh, again i don't think they're going to lose all five of the other uh the other games that are there so you take one of those and and get there so i i think the likely scenario is they probably end up right about where they are right now um is it possible they could move a little bit to a six or an eight sure but i think based on the way the team's played i don't think they're playing in a way that suggests they're going to totally collapse but I also think they're not playing in a way that says they're going to go off on some huge run necessarily and go, um, you know, lose, you know, two games the rest of the way either, uh, you know, one or two games the rest of the way. So I, I feel like where they're at right now is is probably fairly close to where they end up. You know, the the ideal situation for me, Andy, is is going. you have five quad one games where they're at right now. If Northwestern moves up a little bit, they're on that one of those arbitrary cutoffs there at 78 you play a Northwestern on the road, they move up to 72, that becomes a quad one. But as of right now, there are five quad one games, two quad two, and two quad three. Win the quad three, which are games at home, uh, protect home court. If you go two and three in your in your five quad one games, that puts you one game under 500 in quad one and one game over 500. And so that's, that's what you got um, two and three, and then you win your – 
so you go six wins. You get five wins. I think you're safe. You get six, uh, definitely. But um, but you know, four of those are quad two and quad three is what I'm saying. So if you get two more quad one wins, I think four gets you in and gets you in at the six seven seed range. Uh, likely, depending on what the committee emphasizes, you you don't win any of those quad ones, and now you're looking at two and seven in quad one. Now you got to start sweating a little bit on on selection Sunday. Uh, Jeff Marlowe asked, uh, with the focus being on uh, the quad one victories, are there potential bad losses? Just the two home games against Rutgers, uh, I think in um in Maryland could be bad losses as far as quad three losses, and um. I think once Indiana gets to twenty, would you, I? I never like to put numbers, uh, magical numbers, because it's who you beat that matters. But is there is there yeah. a number of total wins, Andy, where you think that represents good quad wins overall? I mean, I kind of am like you. I, I think if you won, almost wouldn't matter what the combination was. If you won five more, not not just because you're getting to twenty one. If you won five more, you either you either took care of business in those four, you know, the, the two quote unquote winnable road games and the two home games that you can't lose. And then you got one other one, which is going to be a quad, likely a quad one opportunity there. I think if you do that, even if you switch some of those around, that just means you got more quad one wins in order to offset some of the other stuff. So I feel like five would be, uh, would feel good. I know we don't want to probably assess what the big 10 tournament could do from, from a good or bad <laughs> standpoint to the, uh, to the resume. But I would say, um, but yeah, I think I think if you win five, you'd feel pretty good. I think if you win four, you start to probably have some questions because at that point, you either lost all the tough games or you lost to maybe somebody that you, you didn't feel like you should have. So, t- speaking of the tournament, if you if Indiana's twenty one wins and, and has three quad one wins and and four quad two, I think they're in safely. Are you with me on the the conference tourneys can get someone into a tournament if they make a run? Um, more than likely their seed, especially the top seven or eight seeds, are somewhat etched in stone, uh, barring uh, one win or two wins might not move the needle, but maybe a a, a win, a four-game win or a three-game win in the conference tournament may make a big difference in the seed line. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you think – because sometimes I think we overemphasize those last two or three games – uh, for for seeding purposes, I think they're more used for selection purposes of teams that might be out that make their case to be an in. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think there's times that you see every week you, you get down to here's a couple of teams that really need a win, and if they respond in that scenario, it, it definitely feels like the committee takes notice of that, and uh, perhaps that's recency bias, uh, but. Um, I do think you see some of that where somebody gets on a tear and it maybe gets overinflated a little bit, um, gets somebody in the field. And, and with the Big Ten tournament, the the way there's so many different levels of buys and all that stuff, it's it's kind of dependent upon where you finish at the end of the regular season and who you actually have to play. You know, if you get a double, you know, if you get a double buy and you lose your first game, you're losing to somebody pretty good in all likelihood, right. and it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I think that's it's easy to get swept up in that because it's an exciting week. And, and for us, you're kind of getting to the end of the, uh, the end of the road with, with bracketology and that makes it exciting. But the committee at least would say, you know, the game at the end is no more important than game number one. And how you've played recently is not taken into account any differently. It used to be the last 10 or 12 games. They actually did hold some weight and that was something that was on the, 
team sheets and the committee looked at. They've gone away from that. Uh, we can argue whether that makes sense or it doesn't make sense, but that's what they've done. Um, and so we kind of live and die with it. And I think IU fans probably even more so just because of the the horrific track record in the Big Ten tournament that everything seems inherently worse when you're uh, when you're in that stretch of it. But um, yeah, I, I think that's probably important to keep in mind. I think it can help teams who are right on the bubble that said, you know, they get some credit for, hey, they were in a tough situation. They responded. They showed up and played well when they had to. That speaks to their overall quality. I don't know whether that's true or not, but I do think you see a team or two each year that um, kind of gets that bump from being in that scenario. Well, let, let's hope IU is safely in come Big Ten tournament time, and then you know maybe we get on a run and we move from a seven to a six seed line. But your Indiana Hoosiers have really, uh, despite the Michigan loss, have really made um, – a good case for themselves in the Big Ten. So coming up on our third segment, uh, we'll answer uh, your questions as we always do. So stick around with us here on the Assembly Call. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. It's time now for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about uh, and also join. Go to assemblycall.com backslash community. That's assemblycall.com backslash community. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's Mediocre Question. So so good to have Jay uh, submitting these mediocre questions again. But he asked, does IU's current situation in terms of play results, progress, and NCAA tournament status seeding outlook remind you of any past IU teams? Oh, man. I... You know, I spent the time that I was going to spend uh, researching this question by pulling all the other questions out of the community. So I'm not sure I did a not sure I did a great job of that one. Um, boy, I don't I don't really know in terms of of any real recent ones as I as I think of it that way. I mean, you know, as you look at the years that they got in under you know, Cream, they were a, a four, a one, they were a ten. I don't I don't know that it really reminds me of 
of that particular season because they played so poorly down the stretch. That was the year they lost to Wichita State in the tournament. Um, I don't know that that one feels right. I was trying to look at that's one that's probably the closest like, one because the others yeah, were they were Big Ten champions like a seed range. Yeah, at five they they were Big Ten champions at at a five seed in 2016. I know when when they won that. Um, and went to the Sweet 16, and I don't think yeah, this then, team is that close to that. Yeah, I don't think at this point in the season, I don't think so. And then you look at the, um, you know the, you know the the last well the team that you know Sampson ended up you that know when he got seed. when he got fired they ended up as an eight even though the record was good but they all the uncertainty and the things that you know kind of the way they played you know down the stretch in that. Um, and that situation is kind of hard to equate anything to. Uh, his first season, they were a seven. Uh, that might not be a terrible, might not be a terrible comp um, for that one. They ended up ten and six in the Big Ten, but kind of never really reeled off a bunch of Big Ten wins. Never lost more than a couple games in a row. Um, and that was a team that beat Gonzaga pretty handily in the first round, and then that was the uh, where. You know, Ben Howland is basically guarding Lance Stembler on the inbound pass in the second round. Um, so I, maybe that one, uh, I guess, just because there's not a lot of, which I guess is, I'm trying to look at the year of that as I'm thinking through it. That was 20, uh, that was 2007. Um, so maybe, maybe that one, but I, it doesn't feel like any of the cream teams. So then you kind of just get back further than that. And that's, that's the first one I came to that, that maybe had it. I don't, I don't know. You know, some of the late night teams, um, kind of got themselves seated around that general range. Um, trying to think if there's one of those that maybe stands out, but I think that was just kind of different, different situations and, and things like that. So I'll say maybe that Samson team, but it's a good question. I don't know that there's a great answer. I know Torvik has on his site where you can kind of look back at similar resumes, but I don't think any of I use, uh, I use comps in that regard are, uh, are, I, or our other IU teams. So. Thanks a lot, Jay. Good question. Uh, and let's hope it mirrors uh, the, that 2016 team and gets up to a five seed and challenges here for the Big Ten tournament. So we had a lot of good questions from uh, Discord and the Mighty Networks uh, community. The Discord questions all come from members of our private Discord who, whose questions are used in the show receive our community coin home as a bonus. And we're going to start off with this one. Robot asks, um, what value do you think bracketology brings to the experience of college basketball, both for you personally and the sport generally? Uh, I'd be curious to, I, I'll let you answer this one first. Cause I think you have a, a, a unique perspective with, you know, what you've been able to build at Delphi and then I'll, I'll kind of tack on, but I'll let you take this one first. I think you're, you know, I have a, a more compelling answer than I might. Yeah. And I can go on and on. So I'll try to keep it really brief. Um, I think bracketology adds to the college basketball um, viewing experience because it's not a scoreboard. Uh, every other sport has a scoreboard. You can check the standings. You know exactly the top three teams are going to go or this number of wild cards and everything. And while that adds some excitement too, the bracketology offers a lot of discussion. A lot of a lot of people are now doing this as, as well as the, the famous sites, uh, ESPN and all of those. Uh, but now there's a lot of, uh, of us out there doing it and – uh, so I think it adds to the college game. It's the same as college football um, with with who's getting into the to the playoffs and all of that. I just think that adds to the whole thing. For me personally, it's just been a, a real find uh, to do that. The notoriety that we've received, 
across the board from a lot of people um, and the com- and the connections I've made with students. We had a sophomore who didn't have a ticket to to the IU uh, Purdue game who had been a, a four year member and a really good writer. And so we I I uh, we asked JD for a media pass and he went and got us a media pass and wrote an article for us. So there's a, a young man who has graduated that still is doing work for us for Delphi Bracketology. Uh, it has meant uh, a lot of great connections to people. Um, the the bracketologist I connect with across the, the country, Shelby Mast, is is one of my favorites. Uh, he's recently had some health issues. Uh, never met him, but I feel like he's uh, like my brother a little bit in in sounding board. So, you know, it gives me a chance to really watch basketball, and I know a lot more about who's winning and who's losing. I don't know the rosters. I don't know the stats. I don't know um, uh, the the statistics or anything like that. But I, I can tell you, you know that. Uh, you know, San Francisco BYU is a game I'm going to watch tonight because I want to interpret the bracket, and I've been known to watch some America East and uh, those kinds of conferences. And as a as a fan of college basketball, it's brought me even closer. Yeah, I I would echo a lot of what you said. I think for me, it's something that I, just college basketball in general is something that I've always liked, and it gives you a different angle through which to to look at it. And um, the analytical part of it to me is enjoyable. Uh, maybe not to everybody, but to really try to you know make heads or tails of uh, of of how these things balance against one another with so many different teams and uh, in different situations and um, so yeah I think it just gives a, a fun lens to look at it. it gives you reasons to maybe care about some other teams and watch other teams that you might not normally do because you're trying to watch games like um, like what you said so um, yeah it's it it like I said it, it it puts a different spin on something that I already enjoyed and. Um, just gives another way to look at it. Um, we, we got a lot of questions. We're probably not going to get to all of them. We'll, we'll apologize ahead of time. Uh, we do want to get to uh, doing the work uh, podcast here uh, soon. Elbows in, you ask another uh, great question um, about um, – uh, we're going to go to Andy Clark real quick. Do you see a scenario where Trey starts and Parker comes off the bench moving forward? Uh, I do not. I think Woodson's pretty set in, in his lineups. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think we've we've talked about um, this a little bit. I think there's reasons that you, I think there's fairly compelling reasons to say to to, to do something like that, or to at the very least break up, you know, starting uh, Stewart and Cop together. But I think Woodson very much strikes me as a if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And in his eyes, he doesn't think it's broken. You you listen to comments he makes on the radio show and how the team is performing. And I think he, he thinks everything is, is going fine. So um, for a guy who really has not changed the starting lineup uh, over the course of the season, I don't see any reason to do it now unless things really, you know, start to skid. Um, And I think Trey provides valuable energy off the bench with that and a playmaker for those guys, which becomes even more important uh, with Rob out just in terms of having somebody else to, to handle the ball with that group and be able to start things. So I would be surprised. I wouldn't be upset if it happened. Um, but I just I just don't see it based on what we've seen from Woodson so far. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I would almost say cop for um, Galloway for cop and keep Parker in there and then rotate Parker and cop if that were if there were in a lineup uh, adjustment uh, to 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 be made. Uh, Jeff Young, very interesting question here. Indiana has been playing well on the defensive end of the court, much better than they did under Archie Miller. Does the former coach deserve any credit uh, for for the turnaround? Um, you know, I was a big fan of Archie Miller. I don't think it worked out here uh, for personality reasons more than the X's and O's. Um, 
you know, I don't know how much carryover. Each coach has their own style uh, of play, and I think Coach Woodson's uh, ability to communicate is what Archie was missing. Uh, but Archie, Archie knows basketball, and I do think the guys that were left over from his regime did benefit from his knowledge of basketball. I thought the defense was okay under Archie Miller. It wasn't super great, but it wasn't horrible. Uh, and actually right now, the offensive efficiency it was better under Archie Miller than it is under uh, Coach Woodson. But I think anytime you have a coaching change, the new coach is responsible for what's happening here. But uh, the old coach probably did have a hand in, in developing some of the players to, to some extent. So I don't know if I answered that extremely well. Uh, your thoughts, Andy, about uh, you know that that kind of credit to Archie Miller? I, yeah, I I don't know. Um, I, I think I guess I would probably give credit more in the sense of of recruiting some kids who are able to take the coaching that that Woodson has given and and do something and adjust to the fact that it wasn't the coach that they necessarily signed up to play for. So I think there's something to be said for that part of it, whether there are, you know, underlying skills that they had that, that he saw and brought in. And I, I don't know, that's hard to say, but I do think you've seen, there's a bunch of guys who have pretty good attitudes about what they're doing and uh, have worked hard under the new regime to, uh, to play as well as they have and um, character matters. And I think to that, extent even some of the guys that left you know you look at what Al Durham's doing now at Providence and uh really being a leader within that program they're playing really well he made I think like 10 straight free throws at the end of the game you know the other night to really close one out I, I think the quality of the kids was was good under Archie Miller I think he just couldn't get him to play in a way that was successful in the Big Ten so I guess if there's one area that I would do it I think probably it's the more from a character standpoint maybe than from a basketball one uh, we had several questions that, that we've kind of answered already. John Silver asked a question about how to stop Kofi. I think we we uh, addressed that. Uh, Luke Niehaus asked about uh, you know the record going into. Uh, is it fair to expect a six and three record? Yes, I do think so. Good question. Um, Philip asked a good question. Let, let's ask two more questions, Andy. We'll call it a night. Philip Jones uh, says, what do you think of Xavier's play in, a, in the past few games? Do you think he's starting to play the way Coach Woodson wants him to and explain how uh, great point guard play would help Indiana the rest of the way? Your thoughts on Xavier Johnson's growth uh, as an Indiana Hoosier? Well, I'm going to use something that you say all the time on here, that college basketball is a guards game. <laughs> and uh, just so you know, I'm listening to you. Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. And, and I agree with you. Um, I just think what he has brought, and I think we've talked about this a lot on the show um, really throughout the course of the year, is that that point guard play is really going to define. And, and that was at certain points, whether that was, you know, Xavier or Rob or, you know, or Lander or whoever it was. I mean, we've, we've kind of said that was going to really dictate how close to this team's ceiling that they could get. And I think what we've seen from Xavier Johnson is the ability to really rein himself in when he needs to. He's worked on fouling. He's worked on his emotions. Um, and and the focus has shifted to this guy's just a really good basketball player who plays his butt off. And it's not the other stuff that is being talked about with him anymore. It's it's the things that he does well. I think he's been able to accentuate the things that he really does well uh, and minimize, not totally remove, but minimize some of the things, the areas in which he struggles. And that's become increasingly important with Rob out. Uh, I think his defense has been good. Uh, and so in terms of how important that is, his play and his ability to keep himself on the court is paramount 
with with fantasy out for a, an undetermined period of time at this point. And we saw some good things from Christian Lander. We saw some struggles from Christian Lander against Maryland. He is going to have to get more playing time uh, in order for this team to to kind of survive. It's it's not realistic, uh, even though he probably would try to to let X out there play in 40 minutes the way that he likes to play. And so you're going to have to be able to give him some rest. And I think point guard play in general is key. Uh, but I think just the maturity that that X has shown within the season and the growth that he's shown within the season is uh, is promising. And if he keeps that up, keeps himself on the floor, uh, he's making other guys around him better, which is really what you want from your point guard. I, I agree totally, Andy. I think the one thing I, I would throw out there is if he keeps playing this well, teams are going to have to put him at the top of the scouting report. Uh, and, and I think obviously the inside game has been the number one thing to stop. You know, TJD and Race, you got to stop them. And then you know you have shooters in, in Parker and Miller Cop. So that has been number two, probably. And you look at X maybe early in the season questionable shot selection his hits from three and and rob being hesitant i think most teams came in saying we're going to make the point guards beat us well all of a sudden the point guards are playing really well rob beat purdue uh, with his excellent play xavier has been really playing well so what the importance of point guard play is one it runs your offense it is always vital but two when you have high level of point guard play it has to become uh an emphasis of the other team's scouting report defense so are they? They're not going to play drop coverage uh, or or go under like they have been in the past. Uh, they might have to start hedging to get the ball out of the uh, point guard's hands, and then that opens up tags on the backside for your shooters or or post players rolling. So uh, this is really really important going forward that the the point guard play and Lander filling in for Rob uh, does does that for the minutes that that he needs to as well. And then the last question I think is uh, an extremely Fun question, important question, and one that we want to uh, honor too. Brian Flickinger says, um, what announcing style or preferences would you like to hear from IU's new public address announcer? I believe the new announcer should incorporate their own style, not try to I- imitate Chuck Crabb. Um, for those of you, Chuck Crabb has announced his retirement. The longtime PA announcer and friendly voice that everyone has gotten used to uh, has retired effective immediately. And so Saturday's game will be the first one with a new PA announcer, temporary, maybe permanent. We don't know yet. Uh, but we just, first of all, before we ask the question and end the show, uh, thanks, Chuck, for all your service to Indiana University. Uh, just a huge part of the atmosphere at Assembly Hall and Indiana basketball. You will be missed, and we wish you nothing but uh, luck in, uh, best of luck in your retirement and health and all of those good things. But thank you. You, you are a big piece of Indiana basketball. And Brian goes on to say uh, that he'd like to have some enunciation and excitement when IU scores would be fun to hear, but he doesn't want to hear someone screaming all the time and elongating words like three that you hear at some arenas. So, Andy, I haven't really given this a whole lot of thought other than um, how appreciative I was to, to be a part of Indiana basketball as a fan uh, during the Chuck, Chuck Crab era. Um, your thoughts on the new PA announcer? Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting that uh, I guess it says a lot about IU as a basketball program that the PA announcer is like a fixture in so many right. people's minds of of different games that they had or players that he would introduce, and, and it was fun to see um, you know see people talk about the guys that they they like to hear him uh, hear him pronounce. Uh, you know, the sophomore is one that always always gets brought up. I think they were talking about. I think it was somebody said when he would announce Magnus Pelkowski from Bogota, Colombia was 
was uh, yeah. amazing. And uh, I remember when when I was there, they had Luke Jimenez, but the way he said Jimenez was like different. He was like Luke Jimenez or something like that. I forget what it was. My roommate and I would always uh, always talk about it. So uh, he he definitely will be missed for sure, and is uh, you know such a huge part of, of IU basketball memories for those of us not all that different in the way that you know like a Don Fisher or somebody like that. It's uh, cool to be associated with the program that has some of those guys that are. Um, you know, kind of woven through your memories of it, even though they weren't players, they weren't coaches, they weren't whatever. I think that uh, that says a lot. So I know I heard somebody say our, our friend Jeremy Gray was covering things tonight, so I'm sure he'll do a, a fantastic job. Just a great guy. Those are big shoes to fill uh, by any stretch. But yeah, I think I think being able to um, kind of keep. Yeah, I don't need anybody to go try to imitate Chuck Crab, but I think a little more. Um, I don't want to say subdued. Maybe is not the right word, but. Uh, understated maybe is the right word. I, I kind of agree. It doesn't need to uh, turn into some of the uh, the stuff that you hear where it's a little bit over the top for me. So I think at least in keeping with his style uh, in that regard, while not imitating him just in terms of the way he reacted to different situations, I guess that would be my preference, but I don't, uh, I don't, I don't have a firm idea of it. I know, I know many people have thrown Galen's name out, so maybe, uh-huh. maybe we can get him to do it. Well said. I do think the the new PA announcer has to sign a, a contract that says he will pronounce sophomore sophomore. Uh, just Absolutely. to just to remember uh, Chuck that that's the one one thing that he does have to have to imitate um, f- from Chuck Crab. But again, congratulations, that's it. We're Chuck. Done. No more questions. Congratulations, Chuck. Ryan interrupted uh, my my last uh, saying there. But That's it. We're done. No more questions. We, we know, Ryan. You want to get on a flight and get to Bloomington. So uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of RiggsDesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you on Saturday from Switchyard. Some of us will. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Wrap it up, Baldy. Man, Mrs. Tonsoni's a little feisty tonight. Tough crowd, tough, tough crowd there at the tough, Tonsoni house. Tough, tough crowd being being snowed in for two days. I don't know what she wants me to do, but probably do some laundry or something. I imagine. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps. All right, we need to get out of here uh, so the the doing the work crew can take over. Uh, Stay tuned for that show. Talk about the incredible women's basketball team. Thanks again to Jeff uh, and Kathy for all the work that they do. Thanks for you, the chat mob, for joining on this wintry uh, weather Thursday. Thanks, Andy, for uh, joining in. Good luck uh, Saturday. Uh, Both of you and I will be coaching in the mornings. Or Are you coaching or watching uh, Saturday? Coaching. Coaching Coaching at noon. Same time as the IU game. I'm coaching at 11. Uh, Part of the reason why we won't be there uh, Saturday, but – uh, have a beer, uh, raise it up, toast us, and uh, think about us. But have fun this weekend. Go Hoosiers, and we'll see you later. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. 
Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows all state to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. All state fire and casualty insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.